Good morning. Welcome to Emmett Audio. Uh, I'm tired because both Tuesday uh, and last night I stayed up quite late. Last night, really late, 11.30, with Mike getting the book finished formatting, and it is done. And the proof copy is in the mail to me. It should arrive next Friday. At which point, if there are no more changes, we will get it posted to the websites, the various websites. Uh, but you never say never, because it could arrive in the mail and we could say, Whoa, you know, this something, something's up. Uh, cost is going to be $275. Um, it's a 400-page book, so there is a slightly higher uh, base price for them than I had anticipated, hence the slightly higher price than the 250 I've been telling you guys it was going to be around. Uh, that's 10 times the cost of any other spoon carving book out there, but having bought all of the other spoon carving books out there. I feel pretty confident saying this book packs 10 times the punch. Um, if this book is out of your price range, then I would encourage you to buy the Spoon Carving Project book, which covers many of the topics, but certainly not all of them, in much less detail. Uh, you might also like the Spoon Carving Project book just because it's a project-based book, and some people work best that way. They want the step-by-step -step instruction because they like to try and match what I've done. Um, but if you're looking for a master class, that's really what this is. It's a master class. Everything I know about spoon carving I mean, I was dictating sentences to Mike last night to update information as we went through it. So it's as up-to-date as I can make it. Uh, probably every year or two, or I don't know how many, uh, we will update the, the book and put out a new edition uh, if I feel like major things have changed in my thinking. But... Probably be a couple years before we do that, and um, and I'm tired. <laughs> it's been three years doing this book, uh, two years writing it, one year putting it together, and at every step of the way, it has taken longer than I thought it would. Even last night, I thought uh, I thought we had about half of the book still to enter these changes for and um uh, you know oh you know an hour and a half two hours we started at 7 30 finished at 11 30 and you know even once we had uh entered the book into the publishers the not publisher the printer's software and we're looking at their galleys. Mike was finding little tweak after little tweak, areas where the margins weren't full bleed, 
things that had gotten messed up in the translation from the software to that he was using to their software that we had to go back and change. Little spots where things weren't quite aligned. And we were tweaking it until late at night. So I am really proud of this book. It is by far the best thing I've ever done. And I'm so proud to share it with you guys. And I'm really excited to do so. But today I want to talk about sleep. Because uh, <laughs> I'm short of it. And you know, it's, sleep is one of those things that when you're getting decent sleep, you can say to yourself, oh yeah, you know, sleep is important, yada, yada, yada. But when you are, um, when you have not slept well or when you are not getting sufficient sleep, man, does it tank your day. Like I can really feel it. And one of the problems that I have as a spoon carver, and I wonder, I'm guessing that at least the people who are professional spoon carvers also have this problem, is that if I am pushing the edge of what my hands can handle, which I have been this week, then my hands are fine when I go to sleep, and but I cannot sleep in effectively in the morning without my hands starting to go numb, no matter how much I stretch them out or uh, scrape the palms of my hands to bring blood flow back. Um, so it's not as effective to say, oh, you know, whatever. Like, I thought I was going to sleep in until 7 this morning, which I did, but I woke up feeling pretty crummy compared to how I would have felt if I woke up at 6, per usual, um, because my hands, you know, our body is pretty bioregulated. It has a, a muscle memory. And my hands at six were like, okay, it's time to start getting up and moving around. And when I didn't, they were like, Ugh. And so if you if your hands are sort of on edge anyways, sleeping in is not a great option. Which simply leaves the option of going to bed earlier. And um, that it will probably be what I'm doing tonight, although it is the elementary school talent show, so there will be a limit to how early I can go to bed. Um, and there's a, there's a fantastic interview that Joe Rogan did with Matthew Wellner, who's a sleep specialist who is a professor at Harvard, who has done a bunch of work on how to get better sleep, what the effect of poor sleep has on us. And one of the things that he's found is that if you are chronically underslept, you know, by an hour a day even, that you are physiologically the equivalent of someone 10 years older than you. I certainly feel 10 years older this morning. <laughs> um, and uh, and many other things, right? The, the, the other things being that um, 
going to sleep that's earlier in the night tends to be um, more more valuable to you than sleep later in the night. It's certainly the case where it's, if it starts to get light out and birds start to sing and your body starts to get those cues of waking up, you're not going to have that deep, deep sleep later in the day. Now you could, you know, sensory deprivate yourself, but that's also misaligning your body with the circadian rhythm of the sun. So one thing, ah, that sun in my eyes is really helpful. One thing that's really helpful is to get sun in your eyes as early in the day as you can to help you wake up. And I can, you know, having been walking with my back to the sun and now facing the sun, I can already feel it. Um, I am not, I, I am not religious about using the filter on the computer or dimming the computer or not looking at my phone right before going to sleep because I uh, have not experienced problems sleeping. But I am <clears throat> pretty religious about slowly turning off the lights in the house over the course of the evening so that by the time I'm actually going upstairs to bed, I'm turning off one or two lamps in an otherwise dark house. And I think that does a far more important job of telling my body that it's time to wind down. Now, there are two things that I like to do before going to bed, depending on the circumstances. One is, uh, to bask on the floor in front of the wood stove and really soak my bones in that heat, the radiant heat coming off the wood stove. I feel like it's really helpful for my body in tissue healing and repair and keeping everything from tightening up. And the other thing I like to do is take a nice hot shower before I go to bed. One of the reasons is because if my feet are cold, then often I won't fall asleep until my feet warm up. So taking a hot shower to the point where my feet get roasty toasty uh, is a good way of jump-starting that process. The other reason is because in taking a hot shower, your body actually uh, shunts heat more quickly after a hot shower. It lowers its core temperature. Um, and essentially does everything it can to radiate off that heat. And that can happen pretty quickly, right? We've all gotten out of the hot shower, and then in just in a few minutes we're like, ah, why am I cold again? Whereas if you turn the shower to cold and stand in the cold shower, as painful that as that is, or, you know, jump in a lake or whatever, you get out of the lake and your body starts radiating heat. And that's because your body's trying to thermoregulate. Now here's the kicker. You would think, well, then why don't you take a cold shower so that your body regulates heat and warms up your feet and then you can go to bed sooner. But actually what I want is my body temperature to, to dip. Andrew Huberman talks about this extensively, about how important it is for your body to be able to cool down for you to effectively get into deep sleep. And so 
I prefer relatively light covers. We sleep with a down comforter um, through much of the year, but it's not the heaviest down comforter. And if it's colder out, and rather than put another blanket on, I'll put socks on. But in general, taking the hot shower before bed gets my core temperature to dip. And then the house is naturally colder upstairs than it is downstairs because we don't have any heating upstairs. It's just the heat that can make it upstairs. And I end up with a nice cool bedroom uh, and a body temperature that dips and, and I tend to just conk out right away. I do find that it's, I have trained myself over the years to do two things when I'm sleeping. The first is to keep my arms and hands and wrists extended. Um, this helps tremendously with not having numb hands and not exacerbating any carpal tunnel situations that might exist. If you sleep in the fetal position with your arms curled into your body, that can be really troublesome for carpal tunnel. So I have trained myself over the years to sleep essentially on my stomach, but on one side or the other with my arms fully extended. And actually it's really important that our headboard has these, you know, it's made out of lumber. What am I trying to say? It's not a solid headboard. It's like a geometric pattern that has these spots that my hands can go in. So my hands will extend past the headboard and uh, and yet be supported slightly in a way that when I've slept without a headboard uh, with just a mattress, it's not quite the same because my hands aren't supported. And so that's really nice. Um, and the other thing that I have tried to do is to always sleep with my mouth closed. And it's amazing what closing your mouth and breathing through your nose does for your mood and your ability to calm down. It's, um, if you haven't read the book Breath by James Nestor, or just go listen to James Nestor on a new one's podcast. Uh, it's such an important uh, concept. And basically what the, what the latest science has found is that nose breathing and mouth breathing are two fundamentally different things when it comes to your physiological response. And it's not just that there are physiological benefits to nose breathing, there's also psychological benefits to nose breathing because of the physiological response that it engenders. And so... Sometimes when I'm lying there, you know, when you close your mouth and you try to breathe through your nose, your nose feels stuffed up and you kind of get that little panicky, like, uh-oh, I can't breathe through my nose feeling. But if you just stick with it, keep trying to breathe deeply, most of the time your nose will decongest and open enough that you can sleep well through the night. There are devices, the little nose strips that help open your airways up if that's something that you struggle with. Um, but, so those things tend to be 
uh, the things that get me a good night's sleep. Now I tend to go to bed between 10 and 10.30. There are some nights, particularly when I'm working my body really hard, when I'll go to bed at 9 or 9.30. I've even during the Christmas tree season crashed at 8.30 at various points. And there have been a couple times when I've fallen asleep at the dinner table. Uh, but 10, 10.30 seems to be the average time. And then basically we get up at 6. But that's not true. Cecilia changes it up. Sometimes she gets up at 5.15 and does yoga. Sometimes she gets up at 6. Sometimes on the weekend we sleep in to 7. But by and large, get up consistently at the same time every day. And that's really helpful for your body to get those rhythms in place. Certainly daylight savings is a tough transition, particularly in the spring, because you go from, it just feels, you know, your body feels that push of like, nope, you're just gonna get up an hour earlier. And it's not just the one day, it takes several days, maybe even weeks to recalibrate because there's such a difference in the daylight that time of year goes from being, you know, dawn when you're waking up to being dark when you're waking up and that just sucks. Um, I imagine depending on where you live in the world, there's lots of situations like that. And for the, the further north or the further south you are, uh, you get more extreme swings of darkness to lightness. So I'm sure people deal with it in different ways. At any rate, sleep is one of the great uh, unconsidered things in our lives that we all sort of think, oh yeah, good night's sleep, you know, that's important, but <clears throat> I think that sleep is probably the lowest hanging fruit because it's something you're definitely doing anyways. And it's not particularly effortful to get better sleep. It just requires some discipline in when you go to sleep. Come on, Maisie, let's go. Hey. And um, and it, it can give you some, some big rewards. Maisie, let's go. Come on. Don't ignore me. Let's go. Come on. Up. Let's go. Good girl. Um, so I would put... And, and disrupted sleep directly messes with your hormones and makes you more susceptible to gaining weight, putting on fat. And I have direct experience with that. I was the person in our marriage who got up with the kids pretty much from the time that each one was weaned was night weaned right through I don't know they probably haven't needed me for the last three or four years at night uh, really three years I haven't really been getting up at night but there was a solid uh, there's a solid ten years of my life when I was the one getting up and dealing with every little thing in the middle of the night, and sometimes that's multiple times a night. And uh, 
that's one of the reasons that I put on the weight I did at, in my late 20s um, was the, the sedentariness of all of a sudden having little kids combined with the sleep, dis, uh, the sleep dysregulation. Um, and so if you are trying to lose weight or trying not to gain weight, Making sure your sleep is as good as it can be is, uh, is super important. I will say oh, one final thing. So I've heard that alcohol messes with sleep. I don't drink, so I can't speak to that. But I've heard that uh, the type of sleep you get when you have been drinking alcohol is just not the restorative good kind of sleep. So you might think, oh, I passed out, you know, or and even if you didn't drink yourself into falling asleep, even if you just had some drinks, Something about it chemically blunts the, your body's ability to have that deeply restorative sleep. And then caffeine. Much has been talked about caffeine and how you should keep it towards the early and middle part of the day. Um, I have been trying to... Well, uh, not trying to. I've, I have shifted. I, I had been having my second cup of coffee at like 3 in the afternoon. And I have since shifted that to having it more around one to two in the afternoon, just so that more of that caffeine is out of my system by bedtime. Now, people do differ um, in the their ability to, I'm gonna get the words wrong, metabolize, let's call it, caffeine, that the half-life that caffeine has in their system is shorter than the half-life in someone else's system, and it's just a, it's like a genetic difference between people. So you might be someone who handles caffeine better in terms of your sleep, and you might be somebody who is more sensitive to it. In general, almost certainly the, well, I don't know. I was gonna say that if the less you drank caffeine, the less regularly you drank caffeine, the sort of, the less well you would handle it, but I don't actually know that that's true. I could see the opposite scenario being true that where you actually handled it better because you had it less in your life. Um, at any rate, um, I don't shy away from having a cup of coffee in the evening if it's a social thing or if I, I don't know if I feel like it. But I, but as a just as a terms of the habits that I try to engender, cup of coffee late morning, cup of coffee early afternoon. That's it. There have been plenty of times in my life when I was only having one cup of coffee or, uh, or not drinking coffee at all. So, and then the last thing to talk about, I think, would be naps and how valuable, rum, how valuable naps are. And um, today might be a day when I just go take a little 30-minute nap in front of the wood stove right now and just try to get that alertness to myself back. Um, but whatever you do, there, there are many ways to improve your sleep quality and all of them are good and all of them are worth doing because the quality of your life is largely determined by how rested you feel and, um, and it sucks when you don't feel rested, even if it's for a good cause. So thank you for listening guys. Talk tomorrow.